I think that's a great point, Chelsea. Like, you can't trust any of these guys. Why, might as well take the cheaper pieces that yeah, you've Joe's seen enough evidence of. Fantasy football. He does not care about yeah, our roster. Exactly. <laughs> we need a shirt. Bill Belichick doesn't care about yeah. your fantasy team. That's right. The offensive line on the Vikings has dropped in ranking significantly since last year. It was coming into the 2019 season ranked 19th, and it slipped down to, I think, the 23rd or 24th offensive line. So that doesn't vote immediately well for a strong Kirk Cousins situation. Fading Singletary now, and I am now pro Zach Moss. I cannot believe I'm saying that. Gross. <laughs> we should clip that out and just keep replaying it. No kind of in that dead zone i feel like in between the end of the second or uh the be yeah the end of the second beginning of the third somewhere in there and i i just haven't been able to pull the trigger a lot listen call it the luck of lindsay call it the luck of the irish only i'm not irish so you figure it out okay yes we're back again we're back again we're back. Hey, let's pump up the volume right here <laughs> What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Monday, August 17th, and you're listening to episode 112, the official Change of Heart episode of the Fantasy Whispers with your hosts, Johnny Gametime Hicks, Big Travi, and me, live on camera, Chelsea. What's up, everyone? It's good to see you. We what? did it. We did it. We we got we got convinced her. We got Philly Chelsea on the show. Well, formerly known as Woman Behind the Glass, but now that she is uh, uh, reemerged or emerged. From behind the glass, she, she broke, is now she broke is now, the glass barrier. Yeah, she, she broke the glass. She is now Philly Chelsea, which totally goes hand in hand with who she is as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, as well as the savageness she brings to the fantasy football turf. Uh, you do not want to face her at all. And guess what? Whisper Nation has a chance to face her because she is in the listener league as well. That is drafting tonight. By the way, tonight, yeah. Yeah, we uh, we did the draft selection. Johnny did a great job with the draft-o-matic, the ping-pong awesome. ball machine. Uh, drafting, uh, I think Whisper Nation showed up for that. They love that thing. Uh, we had two new subscribers on YouTube. Didn't even They're not even playing in the league, man. They're watching. They're like, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm in next year. He's here for the draft-o-matic. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I'm, I'm excited tonight. I'm in the 16th spot. In a 16-team league, yeah, uh, this will be the on. largest league I've ever played in. Yeah, Travis, Travis is not happy about his spot. He he is uh, before the show. He was very much so hating on the draft. Yeah, look, Johnny, and he was hating Johnny on his definitely. Spot. So I'm just letting whisper. Johnny definitely know. rigged this. He rigged oh, it. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, we know it's just like all of our player face-offs, where Johnny magically gets the player uh, that he that he wanted. Hey, all I'm going to say but is, is hey, the, just look, hey, it's fine. I'll just, draft from anywhere. Hey, I'll just, bring home the hardware. Listen, call it the luck. Of, Lindsay. Call it the luck of the Irish. Only I'm not Irish, so you figure it out, okay? All right. Well, Chelsea, <laughs> you we are glad to have you on camera. Glad to get you Me from too, behind man. the glass. We had For you sure. uh, helping us out behind the glass on the mock draft marathon, which we just had last weekend. Was last weekend, right? And uh, it was a great time. Uh, we had so many guests. Twenty-four straight hours of mock draft marathon. It was incredible. Chelsea's over there working Twitter. She's got Twitter thumbs like nobody's business. 
we we're really excited to do that and we're really excited about next year we're really excited about building all these relationships johnny one of our favorite times of the year is this mock draft marathon man oh my gosh it was it was such a blast and you know our whole team everyone helping out keeping us awake uh i mean if they weren't with us uh in the in our battle zone and they're uh, against us. Then no, oh. uh, uh, they were joining in on the live stream and joining in on the mock drafting. So that was awesome. And yeah. all the all the fantasy football accounts uh, that joined, we we greatly appreciate you guys. Give them all a follow. They we left uh, links uh, to all of them in those episodes. So make sure you follow along those guys because they're great. That's right. And yeah. if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at thefantasywhispers.com. I mean, the Fantasy Whispers. And you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com, where we have articles, our latest episodes. And boys, we got to tell them about that draft kit, right? Our 2020 yeah. fantasy football draft kit. That thing's packed over 120 pages of data, consistency charts, projections, and cheat sheets. Uh, so you want to get your hands on that. It's only $15 on the website. Um, and of course, if you want to support our show, you can do so, purchase some of that swag, buy that draft kit, but you can also sign up as a patron of the Fantasy Whispers. I know we've got a few folks signed up as patrons of the Fantasy Whispers over at patreon.com. You get access to a ton of bonus content, and we just feel your love in such a big way. So uh, appreciate you with Renation showing up like that. That's right. We, we appreciate all of the support that we get and all the different ways that allow us to continue to put out this content for you. Continue to do things like pay Chelsea's absurdly high salary so that she can come on the camera. I mean, negotiations for that deal, I can't even get into it. Really, legally, I can't get into it right now. But, yeah, but let's, it was just an say, incredible... let's just say it was uh, Patrick Mahomes was probably easier to deal with uh, than the agent of uh, Billy Chelsea. I'm just saying. That is correct. But I'm excited for this week's show, guys. First of all, before we jump into that, though, I want to give a shout out. We've been mentioning the Listener League. Final three members. Uh, we extended this thing out to 16 teams. It's going to be a large league here. We've got Travis Park as a late entry. Brandon S., you may remember him from YouTube. And Scott, uh, Scott Klepeek. Uh Congratulations, boys. You all made it in as the last three entrants of the 16-team Whisper Nation Listener League. Uh, the league is full. We will be drafting live on YouTube, uh, so you will be able to see that. If you're listening to this late, you'll be able to see that video by going to YouTube and subscribing to the channel there. Uh, we still have the Whisper Nation hotline working. We'd love to hear from you guys. We, this week's question is, who is your biggest change-of-heart player this offseason? goes in line with our uh, show today. That Whisper Nation hotline is 1-833-4-FF-TALK. That's 1-833-4-FF-TALK, 1-833-433-8255. If you do not follow the show on YouTube, please like and subscribe over there. And if you're listening on Apple, go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Today, Johnny, before we get into our change of heart players for 2020, we've got a few topics, as always, we'd like to get into. Cruising around on Reddit, found some things that we'd like to talk about. So, Johnny, Chelsea, we're going to talk a little bit about Adam Thielen first. He's a bounce-back candidate in 2020 if you look at the way he was injured and such last year. So I just got to ask, Johnny, like, will Adam Thielen complete the bounce-back in 2020? Can he get back to that ceiling that he had a couple years ago? So when you look at what Adam Thielen did last year, uh, he had obviously a really bad down season, right? Everyone was projecting him to be kind of Kirk Cousins go to wide receiver. And, you know, he was in and out of the lineup with injuries. 
And then over the offseason, Stephon Diggs gets traded, and they did bring in rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson. So the initial thought process is, okay, guys, um, you know, Adam Thielen should be good, and there will be targets there. Uh, but Justin Jefferson is also a volume guy, and he, Justin Jefferson's going into the slot uh, where that's where Adam Thielen feasted on, and that's where you really want Adam Thielen if you own Adam Thielen, uh, or sorry, if you have Adam Thielen on your roster this year. Um, and so, you know, you're you're adding all up all these things, and then, you know, COVID hits, you got, uh, you know, this question to – uh, how how much you know rookie wide receivers are going to impact this this year at all, uh, and so everything is just lining up for Adam Thielen, uh, you know, to really return on his ADPs. Wide receiver ten off the board and uh, coming off midway through the the third round, and to be honest with you, it's like Adam Thielen. If you draft him, there is a there is a a path to where he could return that value. There is a very clear path to where he could return that value. But unfortunately for me, I just don't know if I trust that path or if I am um e- extremely sold on that path. And so for me, I just find myself skipping over Adam Thielen a lot. Now, uh, is that to say uh, you know Adam Thielen is going to be a, a bad wide receiver this year? I don't think he will be. But I think that where you're drafting him could possibly be a ceiling, and so that's what scares me. I don't know if there's much room for him to improve on that. Uh, and so that's why I'm ultimately chased off of of Adam Thielen a lot this year. Yeah, he's kind of in that dead zone, I feel like, in between the end of the second or uh, the be- yeah, the end of the second, beginning of the third, somewhere in there. And I, I just haven't been able to pull the trigger a lot. But if you look like Last last year, prior to the injury, he started the first six weeks as the wide receiver eight and half PPR. Cousins had 131.9 pass rating when he targeted Thielen, and he only and he didn't even have an interception. You look at Diggs leaving. Uh, more importantly, that's 110 vacated targets, 24% of the team's market share. So I think that you know you can feel icky and weird about drafting Adam Thielen, but the path for his volume is clearly there. He is grandfathered in to a lot of targets in this offense with a guy that trusts him in Kirk Cousins. You've talked about a COVID offseason. Justin Jefferson is a rookie. He has not gotten the reps over years that Adam Thielen has gotten. And so I think, yeah, it's not your most exciting, sexy wide receiver pick in Adam Thielen. But this is kind of the story with Adam Thielen. He was a walk-on in college. He earned his spot on 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 the Vikings. Like, he's been under... Uh, undervalued in the years past and, and performed on it. I just, I don't know if I'm personally ready to do it there, but I understand how people get there. Let me ask you this. Are you, how confident, and, and Billy Chelsea, let me ask, like you chime in here as well. Look, how confident would you feel if Adam Thielen was your wide receiver one? That's what hangs me up because if you go, you know, running back, running back, and then you're looking at your first wide receiver in the third round, like, I'm sorry, I have more confidence in, in David Johnson or Chris Carson or or maybe even Le'Veon Bell uh, over Adam Thielen. So, like, I would much rather have these players. And so that's where I get hung up because of where he's going. Sure. When it comes to wide receiver one, I have to look at the whole unit of wide receiver himself. Like, he can be great, he can be talented, but how is that whole offense going to give it to him? What's that volume going to look like? 
So the question for me is, is Kirk Cousins in a situation that's going to give Adam Thielen the opportunities that he needs? And we see that the offensive line on the Vikings has dropped in ranking significantly since last year. It was coming into the 2019 season ranked 19th, and it slipped down to, I think, the 23rd or 24th offensive line. So that doesn't bode immediately well for a strong Kirk Cousins situation. But I'm interested to hear what Chavi's take on it is. No, I, I I like what you said there because that is a concern. If we're not going to be running a lot, uh, if we're going to be running a lot and the offensive line isn't very good, we could get into a situation where this team is 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 in dire straits uh, with an offensive line, especially if they move Thielen to the outside. They're going to have to run a lot of play action, and that's going to take time for that to develop. Now, you can have success without running the ball very well. This team should be set up to run the ball well. I think play action could benefit Adam Thielen, who hasn't been so great when he's outside on one-on-one coverage with some of those shadow corners. I, I just I think Johnny's point really hits at home here. When you're sitting there and you've got, you know, Adam Thielen or Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, even OBJ, some of these guys going around him or a little bit after him, I think maybe you have to take the chance on uh, going running back here on some of those old, you know, battle-torn veterans at running back as opposed to a battle-torn wide receiver, um, you know, who isn't the greatest prospect in the NFL. All right, so I want to talk a little bit about a tumultuous situation, an ambiguous situation over in, in New England. We've got a Patriots backfield that we've talked about in multiple weeks, but over the last week and a half, we've had a new uh, development here, Johnny. Lamar Miller signed at, after Sony was put on the pup. So we've got a situation where Damian Harris truthers are, are kind of kicking themselves because we've got another veteran back here. What is your take on the on the New England backfield and how are you feeling? What is, where's your temperature at here? Well, and then to add, well, to add uh, more fuel to the fire, uh, you had reports coming out that uh, Damian Harris actually looked pretty good in camp so far. Um, so that made, you know, that gave those truthers a little bit more of excitement. However, with Lamar Miller going there, this has just created such a mess in this backfield. I mean, I was already having concerns. Uh, I was willing to take Sony at his ADP, uh, you know, a month ago. But then with all the recent history with that now, like I have no idea how this running back backfield is going to break up. It could be one week. It could be Lamar Miller gets, you know, 25 touches. The next week it could be Sony Michelle gets 25 touches. The next week it could be Damian Harris that gets 25. Like, I don't know. But the one thing I do know is that James White is his role is looks to be, uh, you know, unfazed from all of this because Lamar Miller, I mean, he can catch out of the backfield, but it's not like a huge, uh, you know, that's not where he excels in. So if there's going to be anybody that I'm going to invest in in this backfield, it is James White, but I'm even fading him just a little bit um, just because, you know, with with Cam Newton, he is going to take a lot of those goal line carries. And, um, you know, if I'm in a PBR, I love James White. I don't think his value changed at all. If I'm in a standard, you know, I lower James White, but he would be the only guy I would be concerned or, you know, considering in this yeah. in this backfield. And you look at what Jeff Howe from The Athletic said, like James White will have a heavy role and could be in for a monster year if Cam Newton wins the starting job. You know, we've talked about it and cutely said, like, could you know, look at what he did with Christian McCaffrey towards the end there. I think at the bottom line here is James, there's two things working for him. 
Cam Newton has some history throwing to the back, and James White has history of being the person for this offense that's the most stable in the backfield. You know that he's going to have that role. So for me, I think James White is locked in. And now Damian Harris is pretty much free in a lot of drafts. So I think it's worth a stab to take Damian Harris because you have an upside situation where he's got a path uh, to success there. But it, it's definitely uh, not, a, not as clear of a path for sure. Can I just ask, I'm so like Bill Belichick. I, I mean, Bill Tricks is his nickname. Like I, yeah. I think this guy has the room and also the desire and the confidence to experiment constantly. And this is a totally yeah. new offense for this guy. Like, yeah, we think Cam Newton's going to be a great plug quarterback. It's the style of quarterback play that maybe Belichick likes. But like, I just am so worried about the way that he's going to approach a week to week basis with this offense. And I just always go back to like Jonas Gray slept through an alarm clock and it was enough to make Belich, you know, despite the four touchdowns he had the week prior yeah. back in whatever year that was like 200 yards, four it touchdowns, insane, but it's like, Nope, you missed an up, alarm you're clock. You're and done. Anybody yeah. who was a fantasy ro- who had him rostered would be like, why would you do it? Who cares? But like, he doesn't matter. So I think those options that just, I don't know, makes me too nervous to roster any of these guys. And yeah. I think confident. it's, you know, that was the argument even two years ago with Sony. Well, the draft capital is there for Sony Michelle. And it's like, I don't know that I care. Like he'll t- come out and bring, you know, Rex Burkhead out. And it doesn't really matter because he wants you to do your job and do it right there for him. Right. I think that's a great point, Chelsea. Like you can't trust any of these guys. Why, might as well take the cheaper pieces that yeah, you've seen enough evidence of. Fantasy football. He does not care about yeah, our roster. Exactly. <laughs> we need a shirt. Bill Belichick doesn't care about yeah. your fantasy team. That's right. <laughs> Love it. And neither do I. No. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're moving on here. I want to talk a little bit about Joe Mixon. We've had some chir- chirping going around. Johnny, the OC, Brian Callahan, came out saying, rever- referring to Joe Mixon as a volume carrier. Okay. He gets better as he gets more carries. As the season went along, we got better getting him more touches. The more Joe touches the ball, the better it is for us, no doubt. So, I mean, we're basically seeing what happened here at the end of last year. We saw that the team invested in Joe Mixon and getting him the ball more, and he flourished down the, uh, down the stretch. So, Johnny, i got to ask you, with Joe Burrow coming into town, do you think the offense is good enough, and does Joe Mixon, is he poised for a monster year? Joe Mixon, I actually really, really like Joe Mixon. You look at what he did at towards the end of the season, I mean, he really picked it up and it, it showed, you know, like he said, when he gets more volume, he, you know, there and there are like some running backs that are truly like this, right? Like Derrick Henry, you give him more, more, you give him the rock more, he's going to wear a defense down, he's going to break through and, and then he has these monster games. And it's funny because you don't think of Joe Mixon as like this big bruiser back, but like he is, he's, he's a lot bigger than you, than you think he is. Um, and well, I, I don't have his, uh, sorry, I should probably pull up his, uh, his, uh, stats here before I start talking about him. Right. <laughs> um, but Joe Mixon is, is going to be the guy behind that, that offensive line. And a lot of people aren't really talking about Joe Mixon, uh, in the top 10, and, you know, I find myself, uh, you know, Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon. I keep going going back between the two. But, I mean, look, Joe Mixon, 6'1", 228. I mean, that's a big running back, okay? And and I he doesn't look that big on the field or when you're watching him on TV, but he's a big bruiser running back. Uh, they should get him more involved in the pass game. He can do that. He, he did that in college. This offensive line is going to be a lot better. I think quietly Joe Mixon, you know, not a lot of people are talking about Joe Mixon. 
And, you know, if you're in the back half of, of drafts, you know, in that 10-11 spot and you're able to walk away with a Joe Mixon, um, I think, you know, you're not going to get a lot of people – uh, you know that turn heads and say oh man I really wanted Joe Mixon but I think by the end of the year uh, a lot of people are going to be like oh I wish I would have you know in that seventh you know six seventh spot I would have went with Joe Mixon instead of you know I think, yeah I think people are looking at the overall finish right RB 11 overall and they're like okay well I'm kind of getting a guy right where he probably will finish but if you actually look like and, and during that stretch uh, last year, he was 19th, you know, in, in fantasy points per game. So not exactly the sexiest pick uh, in your first round. But then you look at it. It's like after they started committing to the run, as O.C. Brian Callahan was talking about from re- weeks are uh, from weeks nine to 17. He was the RB nine. He averaged 124 yards from scrimmage in the back half of last year. But one of the stats I love about Joe Mixon, I tweeted this out the other day. He was number one in evaded tackles with 103. So this guy can play kind of with the line being down he can play with it being better and he can catch the ball he's increased his catching ability and I think this is the perfect running back for Zach Taylor to build a Ram style offense around because he can equate to a guy with the skill of Todd Gurley and be the focal point or main vein of this offense so for me I like Joe Mixon and I think he's got good upside Uh, he's definitely one of the guys when I'm on the turn that I'm considering uh, because he's sitting there with a guy you know like Josh Jacobs and him to start your draft off I think you're you're playing really pretty well with a lot of volume there to start RB heavy in a year where, you know, there's depth at wide receiver in, in, in later rounds. Well, and I also think I just it, want to comment. I thought it was. Oh, go ahead, Johnny. Oh, I, I just want to say that. Um, I mean, Joe Mixon had 12 goal line carries last year on a pretty bad Bengals team like this Bengals team seems to be much improved, at least on paper. So it's like you got to think that he would get more than 12 goal line carries. So if you're pairing that with the amount of touches that he's seen through his first few years of 250 plus touches, like that's looking really good. I was just going to add, because we're talking about, you know, as Joe Mixon's usage and volume increases, it's better for the team. Um, the Jets, you know, Adam Gase just came out in the last week kind of talking the opposite about Le'Veon Bell. And I thought it was sort of an interesting thing that the idea is, you know, inverted here. Maybe the if he lessens the usage of Le'Veon Bell, it's going to be better for the team. Um, I don't know if either are going to bode well for the fantasy football team that rosters a Le'Veon Bell like I did last year. Um, but it was just sort of interesting to think about in that in the opposite scenario oh we gave this running back too much usage last year and it did not pan out so i'm curious to see if you know if joe mixon's gonna go too heavy on the this direction does that make sense yeah no for real but i i I think it's great that you brought in adam gase because we should be as a fantasy player we should be doing whatever the opposite of adam gase (laughs) wants to do (laughs) he's definitely the guy you want to you want to get those sound bites so you know like to stay away from his players because uh, I mean, we've just seen it. Like people that go away from Adam Gase thrive. I I feel bad for Le'Veon Bell who gets this fat contract, but then is with a guy who has such a love hate relationship with him uh, in the media. It's it's really baffling hey, it, to how, me. How how frustrating do you think it would be to be in Adam Gase uh, fantasy football league? Like he would just be like, oh, first round pick, don't need it, don't need it. I'm yeah. you know I'm, I'm yeah. just gonna you know do this. It's like. That must be really infuriating to be in his fantasy football league because it's just completely. I think Chelsea bring. I think Chelsea bringing up a good point here though because when you get this coach speak, you definitely want to be with the guys that are talking about getting their guys more volume. 
Like uh, that even scares. I love Le'Veon Bell. I think he's being slept on. I think the line's improved. He's a probably a sure thing for 300 touches. But I do not feel good when Adam Gase is coming out and saying things like this. Yeah. And it just makes it might give you that extra edge to draft a guy like Chris Carson ahead of him, or or you know even a David Johnson and consider because of what's being said by his coach there. So, uh, speaking of that Joe Mixon area, and uh, Johnny, you brought up that you were in between Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon going back and forth. Are we really just discounting? Are we just really trusting in Nick Chubb's talent and not looking at what's going on here? Because when I look at what, what's been, you know, we have Ellis Williams of Cleveland.com says the Browns' best chance at offensive success would to be give Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt 15 carries apiece every week. Is Nick Chubb being drafted too high, Johnny? Who who said that? <laughs> Ellis Williams. All right, Ellis Williams. Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland.com. Oh, Cleveland.com. Well, don't quit your day job because you're you're not the head coach, okay? Uh, you don't know what's best for this team uh, because if you did, you would be the, the head coach of Cleveland. And clearly, you're not even remotely close to having the qualifications because Cleveland is really bad at getting head coaches and you couldn't even get the head coaching of Cleveland. So I'm just saying, I'm just going to put that out there. This is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, the best chance for Cleveland to win is to split care. Oh, the best chance is to give the ball to Nick Chubb, who is a beast. He is so good as a running back. And this is what this is what baffles me. This is what baffles me about uh uh you know, these these cities that are deprived of championships. And I could say it as a, a person here. I, I, I live in Arizona. We have been deprived of many championships. This is what happens. You get you get one star, one star, and they come along like rarely, and then all of a sudden, like you get just a glimpse of what a, a taste of what another potential star could be, and all of a sudden you start start. It's like the first one you just kind of get rid of or something. Like you just are like, oh yeah, yeah, like but we want to get this other guy like going too. Like he no, just go with the star. Like Nick Chubb is so good, he's going to be fine. Like they 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 have come out and said Stefanski has come out and said Nick Chubb is going to be the starter. They're going to roll with him. I get I understand that uh the 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 receiving volume might not be there to the the height of what we'd like, but it doesn't matter or at Nick, all. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is going to get you 1400 yards uh rushing because he's done that over the last 2 years. He's going to get you 10 plus uh uh touchdowns. You have to think of what Dalvin Cook did last year in Stefanski's system because that's exactly what he said Chubb was going to do. And Kareem Hunt, listen, I, I really do like Kareem Hunt. I think he, you should definitely invest in him uh, as, as a piece because I think he's going to have flex value no matter what. But there's also a very big reality that the, the uh, Cleveland Browns trade Nick Chubb halfway through the season because they only have him signed through this year. And they have him – Kareem Hunt. Or, yeah, sorry, not – yeah, they're not going to trade Chubb. They could trade Kareem Hunt because they only have him signed through this year. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to need running backs. So, and guess what? That value uh, next year, there's going to be a ton of running backs that are, are going to be free agents. So if they want to get any value for Nick Chubb, it's going to, or for Kareem Hunt, it's going to be this year. So uh, guess, guess who's going to be the people knocking on your door week come week eight when Nick Chubb is the only one in this backfield and they run uh, 30 times a game. And you're going to be like, dang it, I wish I would have spent that first round pick on Nick Chubb. And I wish I would have listened to Johnny Game Time because he was right. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can agree with you on Nick Chubb in the first round. I think he belongs, you know, Good. just a little bit further down in the second round with a guy like Aaron 
Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. And I think the bottom line here, Johnny, is that we cannot pretend that Kareem Hunt doesn't exist. I mean, I, I love Nick Chubb. He's a great he's a great runner and he's a he's a fantastic prospect. But Kareem Hunt led the league in rushing as a rookie. Like he is a special talent too. And if you look at what happened, like Hunt came back in week 10, okay? And after that, Hunt finishes a top 15 back five times. Chubb only did that three times. Prior to Hunt's return, Chubb had five games with 20 or more carries. And after week 10, he only had three such games. In six of the eight games without Hunt, Chubb had three or more receptions. And after week 10, he only had two games with three or more receptions. The bottom line is here, Nick Chubb is really good. I love Nick Chubb. He's a great, but we cannot pretend that Kareem Hunt doesn't exist and that he doesn't cap the upside for Nick Chubb. And so when I'm sitting there at the turn, similar like we were talking to Joe Mixon, and I'm looking at upside of volume, the path to Nick Chubb's volume upside is a little bit more tainted than a guy, say, like Kenyon Drake or a guy, say, like, Joe Mixon, or, you know what I'm seeing? You're like, you're looking at it and you're like, okay, now you have to decide if the volume comes down, is he good enough to get you there without the volume? Like, is he effective enough? And I just don't know, especially this year with running backs and the way you've got to, I like to start a little bit running back heavy this year. I'm leaning more on some of these other guys like Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, guys with clear voluminous paths uh, at that turn. And I, I, I just, I love Nick Chubb. I just think he's just drafted a little too high right now. I mean, I, all right. That, well, I was just saying, I, I like that. That is fair to say, like, um, his upside is definitely capped with with Cream Hunt there. I definitely, but like, did we say that you know? And and I'm not equating Alexander Madison's talent to Cream Hunt, but there was we didn't say that Alexander Madison capped uh Cream Hunt. We have to understand that that was a coaching system last year. That and even the GM was different last year. Um, and so sure. this new coaching system comes in and Stefanski, I'm not saying that, that Nick, uh, that cream hunt's not going to get any volume. Like he's going to get probably 12 touches a game, but I still think that Nick Chubb is going, they're going to run the ball so much. And that offensive line is the best offense or the, the most improved offensive line of any offensive line in football. According to pro football focus, they are a top 10 offensive line now and so you paired the best and what and we've done the research we've we brought whisper nation the research that shows the best uh combo with the two is a running back that is that is a productive running back behind a very good offensive line and we know they're going to run the ball a lot so i i'm not sitting here saying that i this is what's so great about this argument and that why i think it it does need to be talked about a little bit more because I do think there is, Nick Chubb is very safe in the first round. If you want to take him in the first round, that is safe. But I'm not sitting here saying don't take Kareem Hunt because I think that there is going to be great volume there. And I do understand why some people might be scared away from that and might be hesitant. I, I completely understand that. But I'm just saying. I mean, there's us. still a lot of unknown. One is this is the Cleveland Browns. So we yeah, can try to say true. that it's not good to trust them. Two, it's Kevin Stefanski. And I know he was he on paper. He's a great hire and he looks great. He's never been a head coach before in the NFL. So that's the sure. other part of this. That's an unknown, too. And so for me, there's a lot of questions that come up that say if this team isn't as good as we expect, who equates to be the better running back or better fit for this offense? And it, to me, it's still Kareem Hunt because of the pass catching ability if the negative game script come in. Once again, I got blasted on Twitter because I tweeted out these stats about Kareem Hunt versus Nick Chubb. But the bottom line is I don't hate Nick Chubb. He's a great talent. 
Kareem Hunt exists, and we cannot pretend that he doesn't exist. I think that's the point. All right, so we're going to move on to our change of heart players, the meat and potatoes of this episode. Johnny, I thought this was good to talk about because, first of all, with this offseason, there's so many ups and downs. But in any offseason, you start out liking a player and you continuously look at those stats and things that, you know, the storylines and the narratives. And then at the end of the day, you go, I think I may have changed my mind on this guy. I think I've actually done the research to change the story in my head of how this guy's year is going to turn out. And I thought it was very interesting in our mock draft marathon that we did last week. A few guys were coming up on on boards and and we're talking with uh, people in the industry and they're talking about these guys and you kind of get a little bit of a change of heart on guys. So, Johnny, I want to start this off with you. We're going to give us a few players here that are your change of heart. I'm going to do the same. Who's a guy to you that has been really sticking out as, you know, your first change of heart player? So one uh, one change of heart. Well, we'll start off with the quarterback position. I'll give two because I'm greedy like that. And I know the first one, Travis and I both share together and so in a change of heart in a bad way. And that is um, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, uh, you know, we we talked about at the top of the show, the mock draft marathon. And, um, you know, during the mock draft marathon, there were a number of times where, you know, Josh Allen was available and I just we just never pulled the trigger. And, you know, and not only that, but a lot of times none of the people that we had on the show, uh, they never really pulled the trigger. And when we did bring up Josh Allen, there was always the concern of. You know, what if the, you know, they take away the, the rushing touchdowns? Um, you know, there is Stefan Diggs, but what if the fit isn't there? Um, there's a lot of question marks. Plus, you know, the their schedule is pretty brutal. Like the beginning is pretty nice, but then it gets kind of brutal. And so where you're having to take Josh Allen, I, I don't I don't think that there's, uh, I think the upside is, is no longer there. And I know that Travis uh, agrees with that as well. And I realize my photos not there um so that would be josh allen would be the one that i'm having a change of heart at the quarterback in a downward motion uh as, think, oh go ahead well i just think like a lot of what's built on josh allen are, has been these rushing touchdowns right and i think you know uh you know he had seven i believe last year led the league in rushing touchdowns last year uh at the quarterback position so you're you like that but then at the same time like the, is that repeatable especially when they go out and draft a guy like Zach Moss you know uh who wants to take over that Frank Gore role and actually be effective within the red zone and goal line so that's a thing that i'm looking at and i'm saying okay i don't i don't know if i love the upside as much of Josh Allen i know he can run and i know he can do those things they did bring Stephon Diggs in, but we've seen what that looks like when you bring a no, new wide receiver over, especially in an offseason like this. Just a little more down on Josh Allen than I think the rest of the industry is. And then for a change of heart for the quarterback position in a positive light, um, I'm very surprised at myself that I'm actually that I actually am coming around a little bit. But um, this is purely on fightfulness. All right. Um, that is quarterback Aaron Rodgers. I just have this eerie suspicion now. Like I, I have gone through all the data. I have uh, um, digested that. I have uh, looked at it, and it doesn't look great. I'll admit that. Like none of the data looks great on Aaron Rodgers. What they, what uh, Matt Lafleur looks to be doing, doesn't look great. But I will say that if there is one player in the National Football League that I will say is probably the most uh, you know, spiteful quarterback or player in uh, the NFL, that would be Aaron Rodgers. 
And I think by uh, Green Bay taking uh, Love in the first round and not getting Aaron Rodgers a quarterback or another wide receiver, I think that Aaron Rodgers wants to prove not only to Matt LaFleur, uh, to the Green Bay organization, but to every single uh, every single player uh, in the NFL that he still has it and he still can do whatever he wants to do on the field. And I think there is a very big possibility Aaron Rodgers just comes out and lights the world on fire. And I think that there might also be a possibility that Matt LaFleur is okay with it in the beginning because he wants to kind of back Aaron Rodgers per se and say, hey, I know I took a quarterback in the first, but I still believe that you've got it and we're going to show you show people by the game script because the weather's going to be nice and all of that. And I just think that there were so many times in the mock draft marathon where Aaron Rodgers was falling and falling and like I would get him in like the 10th, 11th and like uh, you know, my first target around there is Carson Wentz. But if Carson Wentz was taken um, and it, it, it happened a lot where I was like, OK, I'll take Aaron Rodgers here um, because I can pair him with Alan Lazard a couple rounds later and possibly get the double dip. Or if I took my anchor Devonte Adams in the first round, I just think that there is a very realistic possibility. And I'm going to bet on Aaron Rodgers that he's just going to come out and just set the world on fire. That's that's all, and there's like really no justification uh, as far as analytics. Well, I love on that. that but. As a as a Packers fan, I, I'd love to hear that. Um, I don't know if I'm as completely sold that that'll happen. I just think they've been very clear about what they want to do with this offense. But we can we'll see, and and that's definitely an an interesting take to say that they'll start the year hot and then try to rely on the run towards the end of the year. So maybe have a contingency plan on the waiver wire if you do end up going with Aaron Rodgers uh, in your drafts. Well, and one that, of my change of Sorry, I, I know I keep interrupting you, Travis. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. I'm like a racehorse. Uh, it happens. It's, it's, it yeah. happens every episode yeah. for the last three years. I'm very much used to it. But I, I just want to say that um, that's what's so great about taking the the, quarter, the quarterback is you, you know that you're gambling on because if that happens, right, if he starts off hot, gets you off to the street, and then kind of does start fading out to more of a run game, it's so easy to pivot at that position um, that – that's why it's worth, you know, investing in Aaron Rodgers. That's why I'm saying if it's a 10th or 11th round pick, it's worth investing because you can pivot so easily. Well, the Denver Broncos invested heavily in Melvin Gordon this offseason. They paid him the ninth highest contract at the running back position. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about Melvin Gordon because I wasn't really sold on Melvin Gordon coming into this offseason going to the Broncos, but I'm starting to like what I see here and what they're setting up because it looks a little like what the Chargers had with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler for a lot of years there. And so if you look at that, you're saying, well, I don't know. Philip Lindsay exists. I think Lindsay is going to exist. I mean, we talked about ninth highest paid running back in the league, which Denver made Melvin Gordon. Lindsay is only the 126th highest paid. You've got Royce Freeman there, who's the 49th highest paid. I just think the money says that they're going to give the goal line carries, the, the, the first and second down work to Melvin Gordon. He does catch the ball, so he'll have his games where he can, you know, be that guy. He's finished, though, with uh, even with these other guys like Austin Eckler involved with 14 uh, fantasy points per game over the last four seasons. 
Um, so I think that even if Lindsay's going to be there, and I think Lindsay's a steal in his own right, Melvin Gordon's risk is kind of baked in at his ADP right now. I mean, I like where he's going. He's been a, you know, a, a consistent player. He's the RB 17th in the middle of that third round. So we're talking, you know, about the guys you'd be looking at taking there. And I think Melvin Gordon's going to be okay. And I, I'm actually turning around on, on t- making him my RB two this year, or let's say you go com- completely upside down. He's your RB one. I don't think that's a terrible situation to be in. Yeah, I, I definitely like the Melvin Gordon pick. Um, I think that even if we see it every single year, Melvin Gordon on a points per game basis gets you, you know, eighteen to twenty fantasy points um, when he when he's starting and when he's playing. Last year he had a down year and he had he averaged a little bit lower than that. But when this guy has started the season. Um, he is a touchdown monster. He is a, and that's what they brought him in there for, right? Like they, they wanted him around the goal line f- for sure because they needed a big, and, and like, let's not forget, like Melvin Gordon is one of the best at the goal line at, at scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Like that's why they brought right. him in. So uh, you love the upside. And then, yeah, it's like almost insulting that like Melvin Gordon is going so late in the third round because this is a guy that, you know, just a year ago before the holdout, he was, you know, top five pick consideration. Right. And then now right. just because he switches a team and it's like, look, like you said, it's looking exactly like the uh, Chargers offense. Yeah. And we were still fine with it last year. Like, I don't I don't. Yeah, I just I, I think I think it's kind of built into that third round and he could be a steal. There's a lot of guys going there that you're like, OK, well, maybe we're just being a little too low here. Um, so. Uh, pandering a little bit to Chelsea and her Philly love here. I'm going to bring up Zach Ertz as another change of heart player, because I think with the emergence of George Kittle, Mark Andrews year last year, Zach Ertz is being pushed down in ADP. I mean, I, I've seen him go at 401. I, in the mock trap marathon, I thought, so I'm going in the fifth in some cases. I think this is a guy we have to look at. Like last year, he had the second most targets amongst tight ends, 134 targets, guys. Like that would have been 11th amongst wide receivers. He would have been a top 30 wide receiver just just in scoring alone. And if you look at this wide receiving core, and I know we like Jalen Rieger, and I, I know just Sean Jackson has good games in his repertoire, but Alshon Jeffries hurt. Deshaun Jackson hasn't been the cleanest bill of health. Um, and if you're looking at who's the bread and butter of this passing game, it's Zach Ertz. It's been Zach Ertz. We keep trying to say it's not going to be the next year, and it continues to be him. I think he's a discount and and has a real shot at being top five, top three again uh, in production, and you're getting him at a discount. You'll be able to stack your other skill positions, You know, two running backs, two wide receivers, and then get Zach Ertz potentially. I think you'd be sitting in a really pretty situation if you were able to do that. So I wouldn't sleep on Zach Ertz too much. Um, and that's just kind of my guy that's been a change of heart because I was starting to uh, at the beginning of this offseason. Uh, Johnny, who, do you have another? Uh, oh, go for it. Well, I, I wanted to mention, uh, so I, I'm going to do like a two for one here on my on my running back. Classic. Yeah, classic game time here. Uh, two for one. But you'll understand why in just a second, Whisper Nation, why I want to do a two for one and why it makes sense. Uh, and that would be running back. Zach Moss. Uh, and I know uh, Big Travis super excited right now. And he's, it, it, listen, this has not so much to do with uh, the running back, Zach Moss, but, and, and Devin Singletary. It has to do with uncertainty. And the uncertainty is that we have no idea uh, what 
what Buffalo is going to do with these with this running back system. Uh, we know that they want to run the ball, but we also know that you know Josh Allen likes to take goal line carries. We know that uh, they said uh, Zach Moss was going to take the Frank Gore role, quote unquote Frank Gore role, whatever that means. I don't know. You know, ten carries a game and goal line um, is is what we all presume. But then it doesn't make sense because he is better at at pass catching than Singletary is. So you would presume that he would take down maybe that. Uh, but I, you know, and then it's like, okay, well then Singletary would be the the main running back. And then, you know, you look at where Singletary is going. He's going, you know, in that early fourth round. And so, for me, this all comes down to uncertainty and then draft capital. So, uh, very similar to, you know, like the 49ers, uh, you know, running back backfield. I'm, you know, there are very interesting pieces there. But I am very... uh, I'm very choosy which ones I want to invest in. And for me, when I'm looking at this, like... With all the uncertainty, Singletary, I like him as a running back. I think he's good. Um, but to get him in the fourth round when I don't know exactly what his volume is going to be um, because I don't, I can't trust this coaching staff and what they're going to tell me. Uh, and so for me, I'm coming around on Zach Moss because in our mock draft marathon, which I'm sorry I keep re- referencing it, but that's what I'm going to go off of. I just kept drafting him because he was there in the 10th, 11th round and if I'm, you know, taking a dart throw at what looks to be, you know, I don't uh, uh, something I don't I'm not sure of in the 10th round, like, OK, if I'm if I'm getting the Frank Gore goal line carries and 10 carries a game, there is upside there. So that's why I'm coming around on Zach Moss. I think that his his draft capital is just right. Um, it's not to say I don't think that Singletary is a good running back. I just I'm I'm uncertain, and that is why I am fading Singletary now, and I am now pro Zach Moss. I cannot believe I'm saying that. Gross. <laughs> we should clip that out and just keep replaying it. No, I plan fantastic. on deleting that part. No, I think it's uh, I think it's great that you finally have seen the light here on Zach Moss. Um, that you've been listening to Big Travi over the off season, and he's told you, look, like this guy just projects to be a more well-rounded back than Devin Singletary, and the ADP is sitting there with a nice, you know, juicy upside to it. So I I, I agree. I couldn't agree more, Johnny, with your take on on Zach Moss here. One of the guys that I've really come around to, my last change of heart player I wanted to talk about here today was Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think that Brandon Cooks has been nothing but consistent in the NFL, despite changing team, despite having the QBs that he, different QBs he's had, and honestly been very lucky because he's played with Drew Brees, Tom Brady as two of his three QBs. Uh, Jared Goff had a good year with Brandon Cooks, so we'll give him that. But Brandon Cooks now will be playing with Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien, and he kind of fits perfectly with what Deshaun Watson does. Right now, uh, you look at what Brandon Cooks has done in his his past. He's played all 16 games, four of the last five seasons. So I know he's going to get this, you know, concussion injury prone tag, but four of the last five years, all 16 games. So I don't know if that argument can really even be made. 119 targets has been his average over those last four uh, seasons. 76 receptions, 1,149 yards, and he averages seven touchdowns. 
The offense should be throwing. This defense is not what it used to be. It's going to continue to push the ball down the field. You look at what Bill O'Brien's tried to set up here, and that's a bunch of burners uh, down the field for Deshaun Watson. They want to just splash big plays, and I think they're going to have to to compete in games based on what's happened to this defense over the last few years. I know J.J. Watt exists, but then you're looking at some of these people that have left the team in the secondary, and you're just saying, I like where Cooks is going. The eighth round, Johnny, a full round after Will Fuller. And I think you could make a case to pick up both of these guys. I love Will Fuller's upside, but I think Brandon Cooks is going to be sitting there with a bunch of these vacated targets from DeAndre Hopkins and could feast in his own right as well. So I've been liking uh, scooping up Brandon Cooks as a late wide receiver. I think the value is there. I don't mind it. Uh, you know, if if I miss out on Will Fuller and, you know, I want because I do want a piece of that offense, you know, and I don't have David Johnson and I, I don't mind the Brandon Cooks. He, I just don't see the upside, unfortunately, for Brandon Cooks to be, you know, crack a, a top 12 wide receiver. That's my only hesitancy. Um, well, I mean, I guess I could if if Will Fuller gets injured, then then uh, Brandon Cooks is the number one. But I, I do want to mention this: like, how much is like Larry Fitzgerald over here shaking his head and being like, "Wow, dude, you went from Drew Brees to Tom Brady to Jared Goff, now to Sean Watson." Meanwhile, I stay in Arizona and I go from you know John Skelton to a trash can back to John Skelton to you know. Uh, well, I just. Uh, I know he's gotten good quarterbacks, but like Brandon Cooks has got to be feeling like Will Smith in that episode. Like, why don't they want me, man? He just continues to get traded every year. Like Brandon Cooks, man. Like I said, he averages a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. Like, how could you not want this guy on your team? Like how I just don't get why he continuously gets traded around. But uh, Houston's going to have another weapon here. And I just think that's a situation where I think both of these guys can eat. I love the upside of Will Fuller. I agree with you, Johnny. I think that that's a league winning upside guy, but Grant Brandon cooks has, I think back end wide receiver, one wide receiver, you know, we could have a situation where he's a top 15, top 20 wide receiver and you're getting him in the eighth round. I mean, assign me up for that kind of value all the time. Yeah, I definitely think that's a, a possibility. Uh, I want to bring up a guy that I'm having a change of heart uh, at the wide receiver position, but in a in a negative light here, Travis. Uh, and I apologize beforehand because I might I may hurt your feelings here, and I don't mean to. Um, but I am coming off the boat a little bit on Juju Smith Schuster. Um, not that I don't think he's a good wide receiver. I think that he is a a really good wide receiver. I think he's super talented. I am just concerned uh, with where you're having to take him and the fact that he's tied to Ben Roethlisberger in production. I know that you're gonna you 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 make good arguments for saying that you know well you can't take you know what Duck Hodges and 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 things like that. Uh, you can't take that into consideration because Big Ben is back. He's healthy. He looks good, and and we don't like to predict injuries. And and I I get it. But if I'm looking at this very similarly to, uh, you know, Buffalo's backfield, but looking at the wide receiver position for Pittsburgh, I think I would much rather have the guy that's a little bit lower and Deon, uh, Deontay Johnson that's going in the ninth, tenth round. Uh, and I know that at least if Big Ben goes down, that there is going that that is fine. It's going to be OK. Uh, and so I think with the draft capital, I much rather have a guy like that and and save that, invest in a better pick uh, that I'm more sure about in the fourth 
round. Uh, and so for me, I just am finding myself fading Juju just for that reason. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I don't agree with that uh, yeah. take at all. I, I don't know why you'd fade a guy that's already going in the fourth round. If you look at guys going around him, like I, I like your point here that he's tied to his quarterback. That makes sense. He was also injured last year. He also had his own injuries in those games with Duck Hodges and uh, Mason Rudolph. So that was part of the reason, too, I believe. Um, but you're right, Deontay Johnson, no matter who was quarterback, I mean, he he was a fine specimen. I, I like taking both of these guys. I don't think you're out of the question. We we saw what A.B. and Juju were able to do together uh, in that offense. We see what happened with Big Ben. Like, over the last four years, Big Ben said, screw you, Todd Haley, get out of town. I want my quarterback coach to call the offense now, meaning that Big Ben wants to be the coordinator. He's like one of the top guys at being the coordinator on his team, and they want to throw the football. But looking at the guys that go around Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, Tyler Lockett, you think any of those three guys aren't tied to their quarterback? I mean, I think you're you're taking the same yeah. risk here in saying that Calvin Ridley, if Matt Ryan were to go down, would Calvin Ridley still be as good? Would A.J. Brown still be as good as if, if Tannehill got hurt? I think the whole reason we love A.J. Brown is because Tannehill got the contract, and he was the guy who unleashed uh, A.J. Brown. And then Tyler Lockett tied to one of the best touchdown-throwing, efficient quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson. So the, I think where you're going is in the— those guys aren't injury-prone. Like, that's the difference. Like, Big Ben has missed games— uh, has missed a lot of games throughout his last few years of his career. He's always missed games. So that's my concern. Like Russell Wilson hasn't missed any games. And so that's where the, the argument is different for me because, and Ryan yeah, Tannehill, you, like you've brought that up sure, before, but like, but like four of the last six years, take out last year. And before that, yes, big Ben missed time, but he still played 14 games in four of those years. So uh, like 14 games is enough for me to be invested in Juju Smith-Schuster. I can discount some of Juju Smith-Schuster's production with the terrible quarterback play for him being injured himself. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's locked into top five upside. And I think when you're looking at the guys around him, like Calvin Ridley, not really top five upside in my mind, only because Julio still exists. Title Lockett, same with him because of DK Metcalf. And I'm I'm just looking at some of these guys and Juju. I think the risk is there for Juju. But I understand it. I get it. And and. It, um, I think they'll move him back into the slot, which is a big reason I like him. But I, I like that you brought it here. It's good to play devil's advocate for some of these guys that we get so hyped on um, as well. Chelsea, was there anybody at all that you've been looking at here um, that you've had a change of heart when you were watching some of the mock draft marathon? Are there guys that you just came in, you said no on, but you're thinking about yes? Well, funny that um, I really appreciate Johnny on Aaron Rodgers, and I love that narrative twist. Because I do think we forget that Aaron Rodgers is such a guy that plays with the chip on his shoulder in this offseason. Like, what a time to develop a chip. Um, so, I don't know. I should always be talked off a ledge when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. But I am back on that ledge. And <laughs> the guy. Uh, um, that was a very exciting take, Johnny. I really appreciated that. And then I just want to comment on the Juju Smith Juju Smith Schuster piece because I have him in a dynasty, uh, and I drafted him like very high in my dynasty league last year, and then just was like, yeah, you saved me. Uh, you saved me because I <laughs> wanted him, and I ended up Devonte Adams because you took Juju. Yeah, I'm gonna have to save myself this year and my team because I put <laughs> so much into uh, Juju's performance, and so I'm really hoping that he has a year. And I'm with I'm with Travis on this one. I think it's it's gonna work well for him. I don't I don't like Johnny's take 
Um, I, I'm hopeful for Big Ben, but look, the guy's 38 years old. He's only he's going to become 39 at the end of this year, and we don't really think much about quarterbacks in that age. I can't believe nobody's talking about Big Ben's age like they did Brady's age for so long. Mm-hmm. It feels like he's sort of like being overlooked as a really aging quarterback. And look, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers as an aging quarterback, as somebody who's like playing into his later years. But Aaron Rodgers is two years younger than Big Ben. So I don't know. I yeah, think a lot of miles, have- a lot of beat beating on on big ben's body too he hasn't been the most uh safe quarterback either exactly and what concerns me most is we didn't really see a strong backup quarterback out of pittsburgh either so they still didn't address it like this offseason yeah right we had all last year to really figure out a backup quarterback situation in that offense and didn't so Mm. i'm i'm very nervous for juju and well, if it works out, I'm with Travis, top five. And and the last, <laughs> well, the the last thing I want to say is like the major things like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, like these guys take care of their bodies. Ben Roethlisberger is like chug beers in the off season, like let's fatten up. Well, he's, for he's and then yeah, that's like, what he used he used to do that, but he's he's definitely more uh, he's definitely more in shape now than he's ever been but yes so i I agree model of health not like oh i stopped drinking smoothies and milkshakes when i turned 32 aaron Rodgers. yeah (laughs) not at all yeah so but i will say like at the end of the year like if if juju smith is top five uh, will i be surprised at all no like i would i would say yeah that's in his range of outcomes I am just a little more skeptical than i was coming in and that's the only reason i have a change of heart Whisper Nation, we want to know what you think. Make sure you DM us or, or drop it in the comments here on YouTube. Whatever change of heart your guy, guy you're going for, you can call the hotline that we mentioned above. That's one eight three three four ff talk For Johnny Game Time Hicks, Chelsea Lee Byers, I am Tra- Big Travi. We are the Fancy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.